First thing, in terms of kind of my introduction, yes, I've got a job, kind of reach young adults, but really, if I was to describe myself, um, I describe myself as a good news person. Um, for, I guess from uh, as, as, as young as I can remember, I've always just wanted to tell people about Jesus. And um, as, as Christians, we sh- I believe we all should be good news people. Um, and, um, and so kind of the, what I've done in the last uh, few, few months, really, is I've started a new job. I, I worked, in fact, I worked, my first workplace was the kind of in, I think, under this building because I worked for an organization called Youth for Christ. And we were based kind of in the basement um, of uh, what was then Zion Christian Center. Um, but I've just moved to, to go and join an organization called the Evangelical Alliance. And I just want to begin um, this little moment by just inviting you to become part of us because evangelical simply means good news. And um, if you, like me, are a good news person, um, then I would love you to, to, to join us. Basically, EA, we are a member organization. We represent 17,000 Christians across the country, 3,500 churches, over 500 organizations. And we do some really, really important work, first of all, around unity. So we bring together Christians and Christian organizations and churches of all different ethnicities and backgrounds, um, bringing people together around Jesus' prayer and unity that the church might be one. It's really important, isn't it, that as a church, that we are united. And that's part of the kind of the role of the EA to bring churches together but we don't just bring it together for a holy huddle we bring it together for mission and inspire the whole of the church to reach cities towns villages so that people might come to know Jesus second thing we do is we represent at the highest levels of government and the the needs and uh, the the interests of Christians and so just to give you a really simple example of that I mean, in the last couple of years, there was a bill going through government um, uh, around nonviolent extremism, um, which basically um, would have meant, had that gone through, that Ofsted would have been able to go into uh, Sunday schools and churches and, and begin to kind of vet what was being said to people around British values and around values around tolerance. And so at its worst, that could have meant that people saying things like Jesus said, I am not the way, the truth, and the life, could have been kind of not been allowed to be said in some circumstances. And that would have been awful, wouldn't it? But actually, what uh, organizations like the EA, what they're able to do is represent Christians and say, look, we've got, we represent the views of these guys, and we think this is really, really important. So what I'd love to do is invite you to become part of us today. And you do that, um, got over on table over there, so system. Um, and um, for three pounds a month, uh, if you're a couple, you can do it together as a couple. It's the same, same price. Um, and you can join us. And, t- and, um, and by doing so, you kind of are investing in that mission and that unity across the country. We are able to represent those. We're able to represent you to government. Um, and as a little thank you, what I'd love to do is just give you a few little kind of, bit of a welcome gift. Um, the first is that there's a magazine that we create called Idea, which is, uh, comes out every couple of months. We get this kind of delivered to you. Um, amazing stories about what the church is up to across the country. Um, and a couple of books I'd love to give you today. The first is uh, one on mission um, by friends of ours called Gavin and Calva. Brilliant book on that. And then one by my new boss, um, Steve Clifford, on unity. Uh, and if you're able to kind of fill that form in today, three pounds a month, would love you to, to do that and would be able to give you those as a little bit of thank you. Beautiful. Pitch over. Um, would love you to join us. Um, today, uh, what I want to talk to you about is crash mats and launch pads. What we can learn from goalkeepers. How many smartphone addicts there are in the world? Why your phone could give you heart disease? And I want to give you some practical advice um, to digital detox. Uh, before we do that, let's have a moment of quiet. It would be funny not to, do a, to have a moment of quiet at the beginning of this session on rest and detox. And just in that moment of quiet, what I'd love you to do is just invite God to speak to you. Because if we listen to me, we might learn a few statistics and stuff. But actually, if God really speaks to us, my heart in this session is that God begins to just change us and shape us 
and that as uh, we've been learning from Paul and Priscilla this morning that we grow up and grow uh, together as Christians. So let's bow our heads and just in the quiet, I would love you just to pray a really simple prayer. Dear God, please speak to me this afternoon. Dear God, please speak to me this afternoon. Amen. Brilliant. If you've got a Bible, um, the kind of Bible story that we're, that we're using as a framework uh, for this moment um, is, uh, is from Jeremiah 17. Um, and I'm going to read to you uh, Jeremiah 17, verses 7 to 10. And Jeremiah says, Blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. They will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream, that does not fear when heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought and never fails to bear fruit. Isn't that amazing? That as I was listening to Priscilla this morning, I was like, she's nicked my story. <laughs> because this seminar is about rootedness. And um, I think the heart for when we talk about detox, when we talk about rest, is this idea of rootedness. We're going to watch a little video before we get started. If we watch the little video, please, that'd be great. Brilliant. I think we need to stop there because it's not going to get better than that, is it? Basically, don't, don't text and walk, otherwise a bear might get you. I think it's kind of where we're going. Beautiful. Um, so, we are all people, aren't we, who have a challenge with, certainly I am, I think that's why we're so full here, around kind of our, our addiction to screens. And, um, but let's take a step back and talk about rest and talk about roots, because as Priscilla said and Nick's my talk this morning, roots are essential to growth, but they're also essential to stability. The deeper your roots the higher you'll climb. And actually, if this conference is about growing and about growth, if we want to be people who grow, grow strong and grow stable and grow high, we need to be people who have deep roots. And uh, roots are really powerful. I'm going to watch another quick video now, which, is, uh, which I'll kind of commentate over, um, which is, uh, which is in, in my garden, um, we had a tree which was completely rubbish. And this is me with a bit more hair. Really <laughs> You're and, in it. and my mate's trying to get rid of a tree. <laughs> Yeah. That is a tree doing the bells. We'll have to go back the other way and try and snap these. Yeah. Okay. It's going to be harder because the roots are holding it this way. Oh, that's a good noise. <laughs> 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 right, we need to go diagonally then. Come to me, come to me. Come to me. Come to me. Come to me. Oh, and I'm just going to fall off. We might be able to cut that off there now. Phil, stand it back up this way again. That's it. Right, now people's... Let's go that and we ended up having to kind of, you know, actually get a saw to the root. Because roots are really powerful, aren't they? We got rid of every root apart from one last one. Um, and that, that root was still digging in deep, getting the nutrients the tree needed, 
um, but also stopping it coming out of, of our garden. So many roots that we need, and actually roots are a really good image because there's, there's, it's not just one, is it? There's lots of them. Actually, there's things like, things like our prayer life, things like the Bible, things like church are really key roots for us. Um, but often when we talk about spiritual disciplines, the kind of the likes of, of the Bible and prayer and fasting even and church, we often don't talk about rest. And I think rest is as important to our walk with Jesus um, than anything else. And um, I think we were uh, created, in fact, to rest. And my question for you is, is your rest a crash mat or is it a launch pad? See, I think for, for a lot of my, my life, my rest has been a crash mat at the end of a long week. And I've viewed my rest as that. And if I've just kind of in my mind sometimes, I thought if I can just get through to Friday, I can just, you know, kick back and have a pizza. And I can wake up on Saturday and I can have a rest. And that's my crash mat. I think the biblical view of rest is that it's a launch pad for the rest of everything that we do. And there's a real subtle mindset shift there that I think can be really important. The reason I think that is because when you look at creation, God made the earth in six days, humanity on the sixth, and rested on the seventh. What does that mean? It means that humanity's first day was a day off. Humanity's first day was a day off that propelled them into the rest of their existence. And so for me, I've tried to shift my mindset from thinking rest is a crash mat that I get to at the end of the week rather than a launch pad that propels me into the rest of my life. And you see throughout the kind of narrative of Scripture, examples throughout the Old and the New Testament and the biblical mandate to take rest really seriously. We see this in, uh, in, the, um, in the Ten Commandments. That one of the Ten Commandments is remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. That actually some of the harshest words in, 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 in the prophets and at and, and the time of the kind of Pharisees was for people who, who weren't kind of sticking to the Sabbath. It was a really serious in the Ten Commandments and at the heart of the law of what it was to, what it was to be alive and, and what it was to be a distinct person in the, in the nation of Israel for the Old Testament. I don't know about you, I don't know if you're someone who's, can you put your hand up if you've tried to read the Bible from start to finish? If you start with Genesis, and Genesis is really quite interesting, and there's loads of people you know, and there's like Abraham and Noah and Isaac and Jacob and Joseph, it's really cool. And then you get to kind of Exodus, and there's kind of Moses and, and the Passover and people of Israel escaping, and it gets really into it. And then by the time you get to kind of, maybe you get into, if you don't know, at the start of a year, you get towards the end of January and into February, and then you hit Leviticus. Does anyone, anyone resonate? You hit Leviticus and think, my word, this is getting quite difficult. Because, Le what's that? I've not, mate, no. Does it bypass Leviticus? No, okay. I'm not interested. I'm only joking. Yeah. Brilliant. I need that because Leviticus is hard work for me. Brilliant. The Bible Project. Check it out. Yeah, yeah brilliant. Get involved. The Bible Project. Uh, quality. Great, mate. So, yeah, there you go. Anyway, go to Leviticus. But Leviticus is, is amazing in, in, in loads of ways because it's the, it's the, it shows us how much God cares for us, giving us bits of the law that, that speak about the care that God has for the people of Israel. And in the middle of it is, this, is, is in Leviticus 23, God gives the people of Israel not just a, a reminder to keep the Sabbath, 
but also loads of different festivals to keep. And, and things like the kind of the Feast of Tabernacles, the Feast of, of Trumpets, the Feast of Booths, these, these regular moments throughout their year. And as, I've kind of, as I read that, I thought, isn't that amazing that what God does is he gives the people of Israel a rhythm for their year. That he's not just, we are created as people of kind of habit and of people of rhythm. And the reason that the Sabbath is there is because a day off a week, one day off in seven is really important for us. And that there's not only that, but there's moments, you know, Leviticus 23 tells that there's periods in our lives, in our year, the calendar of our year, that we need to stop and rest so that we can be more fruitful and we can launch ourselves into the next phase of the, of the life that God has for us. And um, this is also um, reflected in nature because nature often is a really good reflection. Because God made nature and everything else as well as us, nature can, can speak to us as to, as to what we're like. And so in agriculture, Fields need to be left fallow so that the minerals can be replenished in the soil. It's not a beautiful image for us and rest. Animals in a zoo, apparently, show adverse behavior when they are left on display for more than six days in a row. Isn't that amazing? That actually in the, in the rhythm of the world and of nature and of creation, there is a natural order that God has put in place. And um, that's built into, into, into creation. We need to be rooted. We need a launch pad. So, how do we begin to make the most of this launch pad? Well, I think the first thing to say is that the script of our culture is action bias. Can we have the, uh, the, uh, the goalkeeper up, please? Um, there was a woman um, from another culture who moved to New York. And um, she, uh, she, as she, she spent a couple of weeks kind of assimilating um, to, to New York culture. I think she was from the Far East, and she was assimilating to New York culture. And after, after a couple of weeks, um, she kept going around to, um, uh, to people, um, saying, uh, saying hello, and then she'd say her name, and then she'd say, I'm busy. And they'd say, what are you busy with? And she says, oh, I didn't know. I, I, didn't, I didn't know how to be busy with anything. I thought that was a traditional New York greeting. Because she'd spent so long in a city where people would say, as part of their introductions to one another, I'm busy, that she just thought it was just part of what you said to people. The script of our culture is action bias. And we wear busyness, don't we, like a kind of badge of honor. Do you know what I mean? If we're really busy and we bump into some friends, especially at church, I don't know if you're like me at church on a Sunday morning, and kind of says, how are you doing? I've had a really busy week. That's kind of like, I've done really well this week. <laughs> busyness can be a real badge of honor. There was a, um, a study um, on goalkeepers. I've, I've, I've deliberately found the Liverpool against Man United one for Andy Hancock, but he's not here, so we can tell, about, tell him about it later. But um, there was a study on goal, what goalkeepers do during penalty shootouts. And uh, presumably some football club wanted to know how to you know, take penalties better or save penalties better. And so they commissioned this study. And um, there was an analysis of hundreds of penalties taken across the kind of top leagues. And um, they were trying to find the optimum. And they found that the best thing a goalkeeper could do while facing a penalty was to stand still. The problem is, is that in a stadium, you've got 40,000 people expecting you to do something. But the best thing you can do, apparently, if you're a goalkeeper, is stand still. That's how you'll save most penalties, until people catch on, and then just people start putting it in the corners. But that is apparently the, um, uh, um, the tendency. See, the pr and I don't know about you, but I think this is a little picture for us. And often, sometimes, the best thing we can do is stand still and stop. But we face pressure from around in our world to move, to do, to be busy. And we need to be aware that this is what we're up against in society. 
that actually the whole script of our society is to be busy, to fill our time, to fill almost every hour of every time. Um, did you know that there is a, um, uh, there is a, in Japan there is something called karahi, and karahi literally means overwork, and um, 10% of the male population die um, from literally overworking themselves. And um, as a nation, we're working harder and harder. There was some research into how much work we're doing. And in 1967, the average amount of hours worked was 1,716. In 2000, that had increased by 878. So not only um, are we uh, working harder, we're working longer hours as a nation. And more than that, in 1970, the average family member, the average person in a, in a household working, um, was one. Um, now that's almost trebled. So now in most households, the average number of people working is almost three. And yet God says, be still and know that I am God. Jesus said, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest for your souls. Jesus tells an action-biased Martha who's running around trying to fix everything, that Mary, who's sitting at his feet, is doing what is far better, and it won't be taken away from her. And so the, the first thing I want to say to you is that we need to be rooted. The second thing I want to say to you um, is that the script of our culture all around us tells us to be busy. And so what I'd love us to do at the moment is um, take a break and turn to the people around you. And I'm going to put up some questions, which is a kind of audit of busyness in your life. Because I don't know about you, sometimes I need to kind of take a stop check of my life. Um, and see uh, how I'm doing. And sometimes you can become so busy and fill your life without even realising it. I'd love you to have a look at this. You might be doing absolutely brilliant, but if you're anything like me, you're not, and I'm going to have a repentance moment in a minute. Um, so if you want to have a look at these questions, which I'll read out to you, um, and um, see how you're doing. So do you regularly work half an hour longer than your contracted hours if you work? Do you check work emails at home? Has anyone ever told you? I didn't want to trouble you, because I know how busy you are. Do friends and family complain about not getting enough time with you? If tomorrow night was unexpectedly freed up, would you choose work or pleasure? I suppose it's Sunday. Imagine a work night, week or work day. Do you often feel tired during the day? Do you exceed the speed limit while driving? Do you pray with your friends and family regularly? Do you have enough time to pray? Do you have an active hobby? So turn to the people around you. Talk about maybe which of these questions you find most challenging. Do a little audit of yourself. If you're doing brilliant. Okay. If you want to bring... Those discussions are close. Is anyone, is anyone like me feeling a bit convicted? Great, a few people, that's great. Well, you're obviously a lot holier than me. Brilliant. Um, I find this really useful because I think it's a good moment to just stop and check and look at, and look at our lives. Um, and um, I'm not going to make people answer any of the questions because we might, the police might come in and arrest us for speeding. It's certainly me. Um, so, the, so the third thing I want to say is that rest is a spiritual activity. I don't know about you, but I sometimes think, well, you know, I've got, I do these active spiritual things, but then I kind of rest, and I'm resting from spiritual stuff as well. And I want to encourage you that when you are resting, you are doing what you created to do. And um, Sabbath is a command. And Sabbath at its best, I believe, when I, when I, my experience is, but also what, from what I read from the Bible, is that Sabbath is not something you just fall into. But actually, Sabbath is still an active thing that you do and something that you plan for and can make the most of. Um, and it's about a deliberate change of rhythm. I, um, I grew up in a family. In fact, my grandfather was president of the Lord's 
Seventh-day Observance Society, which was an organization set up to try, it was like kind of modern-day Pharisees. I would, sorry, Grandpa. Um, but, uh, but it was a kind of thing to try, try and like help make sure that Sabbath was really important. Actually, they, you know, they would do things like campaign against Tesco being open on Sundays and stuff. Um, that didn't, really didn't work. Um, but, um, but they, you know, but, but I grew up in a family where, where Sabbath was like really kid. We were not, you know, we weren't allowed to, we didn't, we'd go out on Sundays. We didn't spend any money on Sundays. My grandparents didn't watch TV on Sundays, um, even though they were properly addicted to the news. Um, and, uh, and, and, and the, some of that, you know, and now I've grown up and I do sometimes watch TV on Sundays. But the heart of it was about a deliberate change of rhythm. And so my question is, 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 is how is your Sunday, or whatever, whichever day you take, different from the other days? And I want to encourage it's distinct, it's separate from the others. And part of that might be going to church, and that's brilliant. But what are the other aspects of that day? Um, Sabbath is a day when you act like the work is done, even if it isn't. Sabbath is a day when you remember that efficiency and productivity are not God's highest goals for your life. And Sabbath is a day when you trust God's work in you more than your work for God. And for me, as someone who's kind of, my whole job is talking about Jesus, I can be so full into the trap of loving the work of the Lord more than the Lord of the work. And my encouragement to you would be to, that's to take a moment and a day where you say, actually, God's work in me is far more important than my work for God. And Sabbath, uh, there's four things I want to encourage you to do, elements and, and, uh, of a good Sabbath. And the first is that you stop. Shabbat, where the, the Hebrew word from which we get Sabbath, um, literally means to cease, to just stop. The second one is to rest. And do things that energize you, that will propel you and be your launch pad into the next week. The third is to delight. I think sometimes we can think that, uh, that God doesn't delight in us. But the beautiful words of Zephaniah say, the Lord your God is with you. He is mighty to save. He will take great delight in you. So delight in and ha have fun. Spend time with, with friends and family. Do something that's different because life is hard, isn't it, a lot of time. So do things that are, that, where you delight in life. And fourthly, contemplate God. And this means, I think, for me, spending a bit more time with him. I am, I'm having the best year ever of quiet times. I've, uh, I've not traditionally, because I'm quite activist, and I want to get up and go in the morning. If I don't know what to do in the morning, I never, I never really get around to it. I'm having the best year ever of quiet times. And I've had a quiet time every day this year, apart from May the 20th. And I'm really annoyed I missed May the 20th. Um, but it's the best year ever in terms of my life. Most of the years of my life, I've, I've kind of been had really barren periods when I've not had times with, with, with Jesus. And I've not had days where I've done it every day. But I'm, I'm, I'm having a really good year. But what I do on, a, on the Sabbath is try to be, do a bit of, do it for a bit longer and spend a little bit more time to take a little bit more of a breath, read maybe one more chapter, and just spend that a little bit longer so it's distinct, it's different, and it's that little bit more time contemplating God. Um, and the challenge, I think, just, just quick, quick word of quiet times, is especially when life is with family. We've got a five-year-old who is a bundle of energy, another one on the way, and that for me just means I have to be creative in finding out a little bit of time to be able to do that. And um, I know, especially for those of us with young families, it can be difficult, but it's worth fighting for, is those times, and finding the rest is worth fighting for. So, first of all, uh, rootedness is really important. Secondly, the, the action bias of our culture is against us. Thirdly, 
Sabbath is really important. Fourthly, the digital world is many things, but it is an enemy to rest. And this is why it's important to detox. And this is why I've set the scene of rest before talking about the digital world. Because I want to tell you that the digital world is an enemy to rest. 88% of smartphone users spend more than an hour a day spending at their spend looking at their screen. 80% of teenagers check their phones at least once an hour. In 2015, there were 280 million addicts to smartphones. 77% of us reach for our phones before doing anything else when nothing's happening. I don't know about you, but I am, I am in that 77%. When I'm waiting for a train or waiting for the bus or on the toilet, I'm like, right, let's get on and see what's happening on Twitter. Studies have shown that when you have a phone on the table when you're having lunch with somebody or coffee with somebody, even if the phone doesn't go off, just the presence of that phone makes you less able to connect with the person sat opposite you. Isn't that interesting? Since I found that out, my phone is in my pocket because I want to be able to connect with the person sat opposite me, not the millions of people around the world. Really interesting. But also, here's how it affects our rest every day. The first thing is that it affects our sleep. Um, did you know that chronic sleep deprivation symptoms include heart disease, lung disease, kidney disease, appetite suppression, weakened immune functioning, higher pain sensitivity, slower reaction times, mood fluctuations, depression. 95% of adults use an electronic device that emits light an hour before they go to bed. And more than half of all adults check their emails overnight. 60% of adults sleep next to their phones. And 50% of adults claim they don't sleep well because they're connected to technology. And here's the science behind it. Your phone emits light. And that light um, hits a gland at the back of your brain called the pineal gland. And the pineal gland produces a hormone called melatonin. And melatonin fits into your body's rhythm and is, the, and is towards the end of the day, it produces melatonin to help you sleep and calm your body down and slow your body down and get you ready for sleep. And our devices inhibit the production of melatonin. Great. My reading says that that was still, it still, it still hasn't, has an impact. So I, I take your point that it could be blue light, but equally, our phones are... Great. Great. My reading has said that using a phone before bed prevents you from sleeping. Um, and it also, so first of all, it prevents us from resting. Second thing it does um, is that it also keeps us on high alert. And so they've done, they've, they've, experiments have shown um, that you can, when you can receive a notification at any time from your phone going off, what that does to your heart rate and your blood pressure during the day is that it raises it. And so I want to tell you that your, your, the digital world, as well as having many benefits, is an enemy to rest. And therefore, we need to keep it under control. And the challenge is, is I don't know about you, but I love my phone. I love technology. I just love it. I really, really do. Um, and so what I'd love you to do is turn to the person next to you quickly. <laughs> Let's get the good news out of the way first. <laughs> uh, what are you talking about? What are, the, what are the best things about social media? Connecting with people. Brilliant. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Brilliant. Relationship. What was that, sorry? You can share the gospel line. Brilliant. Yeah, quality. Yeah, right. 
You can learn, absolutely, yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, it's interesting isn't it, that now the news finds you rather than you finding the news, which is quite cool. What's that, sorry? Bat finds the news, yeah, brilliant, yeah, yeah. Yeah, great, yeah, checking up on them. I can't, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm going to do that with my little boy. <laughs> nice, great. Sorry? Google Maps, very good, yeah. Time wasting, yeah. <laughs> Lovely, yeah. Great. I love social media. Absolutely. I, th I, think, I think some of the things that are around it are brilliant. I think some of the things about com connecting with people, um, you connect to people all over the place. And people who you've met once, you can kind of form a connection with. And, and um, absolutely brilliant. can connect to people around the world for free. It's great, isn't it? Um, and also, um, as my friend said, communicating the gospel. If you're a good news person, actually just talking positively about Jesus and church and what he's done, you can, it's brilliant if you're a good news person, isn't it? Absolutely brilliant. Right, let's get bad news. What are the worst things about social media? Turn to people around you. You've only got two minutes. Go. Easy. <laughs> Great stuff. Right, so tell us a few of the downsides. Talk to me about that. That's great. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Great. Thank you. Yes. Yeah. So taking without consent and putting up, putting stuff up. Yeah. Yeah, right. Yeah, very good. D. Yeah. Yeah. And the problem is what we do is, is we compare our worst bits to everybody else's best bits, don't we? Yeah, brilliant. Thank you. Yeah. Absolutely. We had, we had the guy who leads all the child protection, uh, one of the leading child protection agencies in the country come and speak to us. And he said the big problem is that it used to be with bullies. When you went home, you were safe. And now you're not. And that's, tra that's tragic, isn't it? Yeah, great. At the back. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. I, I saw a nice postcard which said, um, may your life be as good as you pretend it is on Facebook. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, brilliant. Nice one. Anyone else? Yep. yep. Stop you being present. Talk to me a bit more about that. Yeah. Yeah, great. Yeah, or, or walking into ponds and stuff. Yeah, brilliant. <laughs> yeah, great. Nice, cool, yes. Yes. Yeah, you get a lot of people who, who just want a kind of response, yeah, oversharing, yeah, brilliant. Great, absolutely. I mean, th there are challenges, aren't there? And I think the challenge for us as Christians and the challenge when you often work with, with young people is actually we're not even aware that these challenges exist. And actually it's even really helpful. I think one of the first stages of digital detoxing is admitting and even talking about some of the issues um, um, so we can kind of engage with them. I think the comparison thing is absolutely huge. There's something about the constant nature of it as well, isn't it? Isn't there? That actually kind of you're, you're always on um, and actually kind of 
the, the, the addiction of that to kind of keep scrolling. I don't know these moments where you're kind of scrolling down a Facebook or a Twitter feed and you've kind of been there for about 20 minutes and you're like, what am I doing? Do you know what I mean? It just, go on. Yeah. Could be dragged up, yeah. Yeah, right. Yeah, great. Great. Yeah. Yeah. Digital footprint, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. All in all, an enemy to rest. And um, for me, I began to think about this a few years ago. My son was about two years old, and he was watching that absolute horror show of a TV show, Peppa Pig. Can we have a Peppa Pig? Uh, honestly, honestly, I can't tell you how much I detest this program. I am um, to the extent that now and again, I'm even really tempted to show uh, Caleb what I think is a Peppa Pig jigsaw, which looks a bit like this. Um, <laughs> but... Um, uh, but that would, that would be cruel, so <laughs> we put Peppa Pig back up, that'd be great. Anyway, so Caleb, I come, down, I come down for work, and I'm getting ready for work, and I'm getting ready to leave the house, and Caleb's watching Peppa Pig, and I say to him, Caleb, um, Daddy's going to work now, uh, can I have a, a cuddle before I go to work? And he goes, no, Daddy, Peppa, Peppa. And I'm like, Caleb, I'm your father. <laughs> I brought you into this world. All I want is a cuddle, then you can carry on watching Peppa Pig. He's going, no, Daddy, Peppa, Peppa. And I'm like, I'm getting angry at this point. I'm like, all I want is a cuddle. It's like Peter in the Bible that happened the third time. I'm saying, Caleb, all I want is a cuddle. And in that moment, genuinely God profoundly speaks to me. And he says, Phil, how often are you like this with me? How often? All I want is a moment of intimacy with you. And you're too busy looking at that flipping screen. And it was a real challenge. And so off the back of that, I just began to do a few things in my life to try and prevent myself from doing that. And so what I'm going to do is I'm just going to give you a few things that I've put, kind of tried to put into my life over the last few years, my constant fight against addiction to technology. And they might, some of them might apply for you. And then what we're going to do is have a little moment where you kind of talk in kind of the groups that you're in again and just talk about what, A, what you do, or B, what you could do um, to retreat and, and, and benefit from better rest in this world. So the first thing that I've done is our bedroom is a phone-free zone. And um, I, uh, so what I did was, my phone was always my alarm. Did anyone else do that? My phone was my alarm. And, um, and so what I'd do is, what that would mean is, is that what I'd do is, before I went to bed, the, the, the last thing I'd do would be usually kind of check Twitter or Facebook and see what's going on in the world, and then kind of put it down and go to sleep. And the first thing I'd do in the morning is I'd wake up, turn off my alarm, and open a few little apps to see what everybody, what everybody else had had for breakfast. And um, I, was, I felt really determined that my last thoughts at night were not what everyone else was doing, but I wanted to fill my mind with the Lord. And I wanted to wake up, and my word, first words in the morning be to God, not in 140 characters, in a tweet to the rest of the world. And uh, so I bought a 7.99 watch on Amazon. <laughs> Who should pay that tax? Erase that from the recording. Um, I bought a 7.99 watch, and that has become my alarm. And I'm not overstating it, it's changed my life. It's genuinely changed my life. Because now my phone charges downstairs, I have a watch which wakes me, which makes me up, and it, it it's changed the way I sleep. Changed, it's changed the way I rest. It means I'm not tempted when I come back from the loo in the middle of the night to see who else has been still in the middle of the night, and uh, it's changed my life. So the first thing, bedroom free zone. The other thing we do is we make meal times in our house a phone free zone. 
And um, we um, even now, it's it was really funny the other day, Caleb, who's five, brought his like plastic fake mobile phone to the table. We were like, put it away. It's a phone for his own. And he was like, what? You know the rules. <laughs> Daddy, daddy's in the lounge. Go and put it away. It's absolutely wonderful. Um, make the last hour of your day uh, screen free. And that, we don't do that all the time because sometimes all we want to do is stop in, the t- stop in front of the TV until we go to sleep. But actually, when we're able to do that and spend a bit of time reading or even talking, you know, actually really makes a big difference. Um, fourthly, turn off notifications. There's this bit on most phones where you can turn off which apps um, notify you. And so, um, and which apps also have the little red uh, little number above it, which tells you how many emails you've got, how many tw- notifications, that kind of thing. And um, uh, did you know that that, could, by the way, is the color combination aimed at releasing the maximum amount of serotonin in your brain. So the red and the white is there, is there because it, that's, that's kind of kind of triggers you. Um, and so that, is, again, is, you know, now my phone, the only thing my phone goes off for is texts and phone calls. There's no Twitter notifications, there's no Facebook likes, none of that, and that's really, really, that's really, really helped, that kind of state of high alert. Um, and fifthly, kind of putting present people first. And so when I'm kind of having a chat with someone, especially kind of one-on-one, um, I will do my best to kind of keep my phone I'm in my pocket or in my bag. It's not there on the, on the table. It's not going to interrupt me. And actually, even if it goes off, spatula or whatever, you know, I, the, the, um, I, don't, know why I, I don't know why you spatula. I'm always hanging out with a spatula. Um, you know, actually, the, the, the phone, you, you know, your phone is in your pocket, but present people first. So, couple of minutes, over to you. Um, what are the things that you've put in your life or think you could put in your life that would make a, a difference um, in your lives? Then we'll do a bit of feedback. Then I'll pray. Then we'll go and listen to Priscilla, and that'd be great. Go. What were you talking about? What advice would you give? What things could you do? Yes, sir. So you've signed out of Facebook on your phone, so you can only go on your laptop. Very good. And has that helped? Has that been helpful? You now go on Twitter, so yeah, you need to not just switch platforms. Very good. Okay. Anyone else? What are you talking about? Yeah. Yeah, brilliant. And kind of asking them and checking up. That's good. Super. Yeah, very good. Yeah. Anyone else? What are you talking about? Or are you just like, you're just on it? You just know what you're doing? Oh. Sorry. An awesome sharing. Get an old-fashioned book. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Today's event. Yeah, great. Cool. I think there's loads of things we can do, but my encouragement to you would be t- to first of all recognise the digital world for for what it is. To treasure the things. There's that great verse in that Paul he says, doesn't he? He says, he says, uh, take take what is good, reject what is evil. And I think our attitude towards the digital world has to be has to be like that. That like we take the really good things. But also, I don't know about you, but I'm someone who's, I want to be determined that I am, a, I, am a ma- I am the master of the technology in my pocket. I don't want to let it master me. And um, you know, even, this, even this morning was reading in, in Galatians about not being a slave. You know, and I think so often we can become a slave to technology rather than let it become our, our slave. And um, ask the Lord to maybe speak to us. And even if we take away from this session just a couple of practical things to do. Um, my biggest piece of advice would be to get an alarm clock. 
I, I don't work for the alarm clock industry. Um, but to get an alarm clock and, and, and charge your phone, not in your room, that would be my biggest piece of advice, digital detox. Um, and to guard your rest. Let's, let's have a moment quiet, then I'll pray. And I'll read, o- read over us those verses from Jeremiah to finish. Father, our world is so noisy. Our culture is so full of busyness. And yet we know you speak through a still, small voice. And you say, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. They will be like a tree planted by the water. Does not fear when the heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought and never fails to bear fruit.